Hello and welcome to another episode of Trash or Treasure with Kimberly and Amy as we journey through the books that we have read this week. You might have noticed that it's only Amy talking and that's unusual because Kimberly is very unwell. So I have invited my husband Michael to do this episode with me. Hi Mike. Hello my dog. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well. What book are we talking about this week, Michael? Emma. By Jane Austen. Well done. You remembered it. Usually Kimberly (laughs) doesn't remember who writes anything and I'm in charge of telling her who the author is. So I'm going to give the spoiler-free recap. As a novel by Jane Austen, Emma is set in about 1820. It's during the Napoleonic Wars in England. In Essentially, it's not set in London. It's in the countryside in a town called Highbury. And Emma Woodhouse is in her early 20s. She's very wealthy. She's very handsome. And she is essentially the queen of society in Highbury. Because of that, because she's wealthy, she sees no reason to get married. And instead, she takes great joy in meddling in other people's lives and playing matchmaker. So things begin well. The book opens when Emma has is celebrating the fact that she introduced her governess, Miss Taylor, to a widower nearby, Mr. Weston, and they get married. So Emma then sets her sights on making a match between her new protege, Harriet Smith. Yes. Harriet Smith is illegitimate daughter of no one knows who when she's at school, like a boarding school near yeah where Emma lives. So Emma takes her under a wing, even though she's potentially of quite a different class from Emma. So Emma decides that she is going to find a husband for Harriet because she's a gifted matchmaker. Her old family friend, Mr. Knightley, very much disapproves of this, and he is the voice of critical reason, doubt, checking her thinking, mm, yeah, checking her potential mm. arrogance throughout <laughs> the story. And the other main character is the new vicar of Highbury, Mr. Elton, who is, who is the person that she decides Harriet should be matched with. But being essentially a romantic comedy, things, of course, do not go as one would expect. So, Michael, would you recommend that people read Emma? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's not a category of book that I would, that I tend to read. No, you tend to read like science fiction and yeah, spec um, fiction and spec dystopian fiction. things. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I kind of almost like to look forward rather than look backwards. But I would. I think the language was, the language is, is actually refreshing to read. Well, so, so this is something that Kimberly's whinged about in the past. And when we talked about it previous, Jane Austen, she was like, I'm out on the language. I can't handle mm, it. Mm. So I think it's interesting that you aren't put off by the language. Don't get me wrong. If you're not used to the language, then for someone, a simpleton like me has to reread things a few times. <laughs> <laughs> but I eventually get there and I see the charm in the language. And sometimes when I watch, well, when I did watch Emma and when you watch other films in the same era i'm somewhat envious of the of the language sometimes because it's so precise um but it can also be also a bit poetic and a bit complex as well at the same time Mm. from from point to point so yeah the language is definitely it's definitely readable okay it's definitely and anyone can get into it i think you don't think it's a barrier it might be if you're a non-native english speaker like if your english Mm. isn't really if it's a second language and maybe because it's a bit it's older fashioned. Yeah, that's from the right. But what about the plot? Because you're a guy mm-hmm. and you don't read a lot of romance novels. Yeah. Well, you said earlier that it's a comedy romance. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it enjoyable was the fact that it was comedy was mixed in there. It wasn't just pure romance. 
I don't really find pure romance novels really that interesting, but because of the comedy aspect of it, there was a few giggles and a few gags in there, which made it very interesting. Like, you really enjoyed Pride and Prejudice because mm. you liked the... Class structure. This- yeah, it's very interesting. Did you like that in Emma? Yeah, and it's there's a lot of... There's, there's parts of it where the class structure is, is very clear. It's very, very... Uh, distinctly identifiable so for example there's there's a scene people are just reeling off names like i know such and such and i know this person and i know that person and it becomes very i mean even today that's a thing but back then you you can see it woven throughout the book and throughout the film a lot where who you know is extremely important and who Mm. you're associated with and then when they're being you know invited to each other's homes and things it's like oh I'm going. I'm getting to go to blah blah, and it's kind of like that's a privilege just going to that person's house because you're being seen with that person. And there's a party. I remember that Emma's like, "Oh, I can't accept an invitation from them. They're so beneath me." And then she's like, "Damn it, they haven't invited me." Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> and just the. Um, I'm trying not to to spoil anything, but just the uh, the kind of from the matchmaking perspective where someone's not suitable because of because they're a working because they're working class or because they don't own the land that they're on they rent the land that they're on so therefore no no he's not he's not suitable he's not gentleman enough he's and not I good find enough that, for you yeah i find that fascinating yeah because i was born in, in england into a working class family that worked its way up to the middle class and so i believe that most of those structures don't don't exist anymore but they exist in some way and so to visit to revisit them in the past and it's not fiction it's like actual reality it's actually how it was it's, it's just fascinating I find the way people thought that if you just had money you were automatically better uh, it was yeah. very interesting I always remember that conversation that Emma has with Harriet where Harriet goes I wonder why Miss Woodhouse you're not married and she right. says I don't need to be I'm wealthy yeah that's right yeah and I remember you telling me a while back about things like you know if you if you marry the local reverend the local vicar you, you you're gonna do well but then if the vicar passes on you don't get anything because yeah. the vicar doesn't technically own anything the church owns it and so you're left with, and so that's very interesting just that kind of that's how society was structured that you had to be very careful who you married because you had to look mm. well if they die or pass away what happens and yeah Emma's so wealthy that she knows that well when father passes away, I'm still going to be wealthy, so I don't need a man to support me. Which is really interesting mm, because it is. Yeah. Pride and Prejudice, they need to find someone because yeah. their father isn't wealthy. Just to clarify, Mike's mentioned film a lot and he's talking about the one that came out in 2020 by Autumn DeWilde mm. that has, uh, what's her name? Anya Taylor-Joy, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So, Amy, would you recommend Emma? I would. It was one of the very first... Jane Austen's that I successfully read. I remember very vividly trying to read Pride and Prejudice when I was way too young to read it and getting to like chapter eight and being like, it's so hard. I can't get through. I don't know what anyone's saying. And then, oh, maybe when I was in uni, I picked up Emma and I actually found it really funny. It's a bit different from how like Persuasion, which we've reviewed in a previous episode and Pride and Prejudice, which we've mentioned when we reviewed Longbourn, is in that it's a bit more frivolous. It's a bit lighter in its tone. Okay. And Emma is so often a hypocrite. Yes. She's two-faced and Mm -hmm. that just makes it be a bit more humorous. Mm -hmm. Like you can see that she's going to get her comeuppance from pretty much, I think, the first moment she starts trying to set Harriet up with someone. You yeah. can feel that coming. <laughs> yeah, you can feel her laying the foundations of her own demise. Yes, yeah. but Emma doesn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. So I find that really entertaining and I like the characters. I like her dad's a hypochondriac and he's that's, really funny. <laughs> that, that's probably, yeah, yeah. one of my 
my favourite scenes is the whole... All, always, the, all the gags about the... The cake. Can you, can you feel a draft? Yes, drafts and cake <laughs> and not being warm enough and mustard footpaths and oh dear, it's snowing. So good. I like that in Emma, the romance isn't a suddenly this character appears, but the romances that, because it is a romance book, so obviously mm. Emma has a happy ending and Harriet have a happy ending, yeah. but whom they find their happy endings with aren't people who are just walk into the story midway. They're people who are there from the very beginning of the narrative when we mm. meet those characters, and I quite mm. like that their journey is just about sort of the deepening of friendships and the coming to accept people for who they are, not who you think you should be with because mm. they are yeah. worthy of you or because mm. you're better than them. So I re- I enjoy within the story that Emma has to she has to get a comeuppance for her arrogance and so she actually has to go on this journey to become mm. a better person and when she becomes a bit of a better person or she admits that she's been arrogant mm-hmm. and judgmental and selfish mm-hmm. when she does that admission she's allowed to you know she finds love I quite like that it's almost her reward for maturing a little yeah. bit and becoming a better person and, and growing as a person. Her reward is, there, there you, go. you go. And she grows quite significantly because at the beginning she's like, I'm fabulous. Yes. And then she yeah. becomes more vulnerable as the book progresses, whereas some romance novels that we read, the character starts really vulnerable and gains more confidence. But in Emma... Yeah. It's chipped away at. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a facade and it's chipped away at. And she becomes more human. As the book progresses. And I would recommend, though, like Mike was – you were saying that you found the language not too much of a barrier. And I didn't, Mm. but I like Jane Austen. I quite enjoy, like, 1820s writing. Mm. But if you find that to be too dense – and you still want to engage with the story of Emma, the film is really, really faithful. Yeah. Yeah. It's very faithful to the book. Yeah, that's right. And even just glancing back through the book again, having just watched the film for the second time, I was like, wow, I'm picking out lines and going, yeah, I I remember that scene. I can picture that scene really vividly. And it's it's, it's really, really faithful. Yeah. It's more faithful than the 1996 Gwyneth Paltrow version. And then there's a miniseries in the early 2000s with Romola Garay. And then there's another miniseries in the late 90s with Kate Beckinsdale. Mm. So pick Mm -hmm. your Emma. There's lots of them. But- the story is fun. So even if you're like, oh, I can't deal with Jane Austen text, I'd really recommend just engaging with the story. Yeah. Yeah, I agree entirely. The film may be more accessible to you. I- so do both. That would actually be my recommendation. Yeah. Read the book, watch the film, yeah. or vice versa. I find it a really entertaining story. And the audiobook isn't half bad either. And, and look, on the language thing as well, the actual the Jane Austen language, I would say that that's almost an experience in and of itself if you've never experienced yeah. that type of English before. If you bear with it, if you find a struggle to bear with it, and I think it's an experience in obviously, even if you just do it once, even if you just read Emma, get to the end and go, okay. That's a good point. That was a really, that was really interesting. That language is really interesting. And then you'll know whether or not you can read other Jane Austens yeah. if they're very similar. I think Emma would be a good entry level Austen. Mm, You're yeah. right. It is, it's more, it, it's like her, because she wrote Pride and Prejudice in the 1790s, but mm. Emma, she wrote like 15 years later. And mm, it's a bit more. Okay. She would like, have, she would have developed, developed as a writer. Yeah. yeah. So it's, deliberately the language is deliberately funny and you can see yeah. it's easier as a beginner austin reader to mm. come at it and you also said before to me that find the language actually easier like if you've read lord of the rings emma yeah. is the language of austin is easier than tolkien if you have read lord of the rings i think you would certainly be able to take that skill and adapt it to 
to Jane Austen. Yeah. It would make it a bit a bit a bit lighter uh, on on the old on the old noggin. It's certainly a lighter book. It's a lot less heavy. <laughs> that's for sure. Michael, would you categorize Emma as trash or treasure? I would definitely say that it's treasure. Okay. Because even though I've only read I've read the book and then I've watched the film in preparation for helping you this podcast, I watched <laughs> the film again. Thank you, Michael. And I really enjoyed it. So story. Sorry, yeah, the story, yeah, absolutely. But I think anyone, I think the film is accessible by anyone, whether or not you like Jane Austen specifically, and whether you've read the book or not. Uh, and so the the film is definitely something that can be repeated, and I'd, t- I'd say the book is as well. If you if you if you get past the language thing and you th- and you and you enjoy the story as much as we have, it's definitely something you pull off the shelf again in in a couple of years' time and give another read. Yeah, yeah I agree. I've read it a couple times, and I, I come back to it at Christmas time because it has some of the like key moments in it happen at a Christmas party they go to yes. and I like the description that Jane Austen gives it's really like evocative with like hot fires and mistletoe and yeah. eggnog and things like that makes you feel all warm doesn't oh, it yeah. Christmas yeah and you love Christmas I do I love Christmas <laughs> Well, that's all we have for you today. Tune in next week for another episode of Trash or Treasure. Kimberly will be back next week. And until then, happy reading. And just a quick reminder here at the end of the podcast that we would love to hear from you. We want your recommendations. The good, the bad, the interesting, doesn't matter. Please reach out. Send us an email at trashortreasurepodcast at outlook.com. Or we are also available at the world's most awkward Twitter handle, which Amy has to tell you about. Listen to our Twitter handle. It's the greatest. It's at or underscore treasure. Doesn't that just roll off the tongue? (laughs) And with those encouraging words, tweet or email us. We love to hear from you. Happy reading. Cheers.